Anybody that opposed him, uh, you, you, you needed to know about it, first of all, and once that happened, they would disappear. Well, the same was true in the Soviet Union or, or East Germany with the Stasi. If you said anything out of line, you ended up in jail. I mean, or, or in a sanitarium or something, or in a gulag somewhere. Um, that same was true of the Nazis and the Gestapo and SS. They would do the same to people. Now, this is, this is historically true. This is the way uh, totalitarian states operate, and this is... Gathering knowledge about people and, and the entire population is a totalitarian procedure. That was the first thing that hit me right away. This was obvious, the route we were taking. Um, and so that's why I've been opposing it since, uh, since they started it in 2001. The real threat, the only threat we really faced were really domestically. We have done to ourselves fundamentally what the terrorists wanted done but could never achieve, we have done to ourselves. And this is the domestic threat that our constitutional and the oath of office that we took was, was given to prevent. I mean, this is the only way we, no, no other country in the world could have, uh, could have done to us what we have done to ourselves. And so uh, this is the time when all good Americans need to stand up and oppose this. And that is exactly what we are doing on this program, Rinwood Radio, Discussions of Truth. I am your weekly host, Ian Hamilton Trottier. Broadcasting from the Wynwood District of Miami, Florida. Folks, if you're not familiar with William Edward Beeney, he's formerly highly placed intelligence official with the United States National Security Agency, the NSA. Referred to now as a whistleblower because he left the NSA after decades of serving his country as he was opposed to the infringement that the NSA has on the average every American life. Your tweets, your Instagram posts, your Facebook updates. They all get collected by various algorithms and clumped together and organized. That's what's going on in the NSA. And don't think it's only happening in the United States. What has happened today, by the way? Bomb threats? Hillary Clinton bomb threat? CNN bomb threat? Time Warner? I once met a guy 
A couple years ago, former Army Ranger living here in Miami, served his time in Iraq, noble fellow, Latin American descent, grateful for the wonderful opportunities that the United States and its system and constitution gave he and his family, his father, a former New York police officer. He said, Ian, the problem is that the war that I was fighting in Iraq has come home. Or has it? So that's William Biney. Or Binney. And one of the things he talks about happens to be a mass NSA data center built about four years ago, completion in Bluffdale, Utah. A major processing center of, again, all the traffic that is going in and out and up and down and side to side on the information superhighway. What a show coming your way today. Wow. Yesterday. Now, Ian Trottier is my name. You follow me on Twitter, because I don't care. Follow me on Instagram, because I don't care. I don't do much Facebook. But you can follow me also and find all my past episodes on iantrottier.com. That's I-A-N-T-R-O-T-T-I-E-R. It's a French last name. We landed in Quebec. I say we because that's my ancestry. A few hundred years ago. And I say few because it was in the 1640s, if I have that correct. So that's a few hundred years ago. I come from California. We've been in San Francisco for over 100 years. I've been in Miami now for about five. Now, I also urge you to patron impeachmassmedia.com. Shirts have just been ordered. They're killer shirts. They're great shirts. And any contribution of $50 or more gets you a shirt. Check them out. They're great quality, high-quality cotton. Very comfortable. Impeachmassmedia.com. Website submission yesterday. Somebody based in New York. And a book that's coming out next month. They will be joining program. Trying to make the slot that works best for me and author. But contacted yesterday by publisher. Yeah, Trump gets in the office and he has an issue with the JFK files. So now they're delayed to be an open opened two thousand twenty one. Why is it so many years later and there's still such a huge? You know, Mark Shaw's been on the program a couple times. Mark Shaw. He's got Dorothy Kilgallen. And his radar and his book, The Reporter Who Knew Too Much, just now signed, uh, reached an agreement with a major production company out of Los Angeles. And it is now going into uh, the contract signed into production stages. It will either be a made-for TV film or uh, something to be seen on the silver screen. But again, he follows the trail from Dorothy Kilgallen into... Uh, the JFK conspiracy theory regarding his murder. You can take the Lee Harvey Oswald angle, but the more you look into that, 
and I urge you to do so, the more you look into it, the more you realize there's many, 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 many layers, and then once you get past many, many layers, and there's other many, many, many layers. But what Christopher Fulton will be bringing to the program, author of The Inheritance Poisoned Fruit of JFK's Assassination. By the way, the book is submitted for the Pulitzer Prize for its history-changing narrative. So he's got something here of substance. His website, cmfulton.com. And he's got some great uh, accolades as far as folks that are supporting him. Now, he knew Evelyn Lincoln. He was born on the East Coast, Washington, D.C. And he received critical information from Evelyn regarding via Bobby... That would be John's uh, brother. Regarding uh, what John had that got him killed. Okay. Take that as it will. Christopher will be joining program. That came in via contact to me yesterday. The program keeps growing because of people like you who support it and listen and Because you're realizing that fake news is theater. News is theater. Fox News, CNN, NBC, even PBS. It's all meant to infotain you. Okay? Infotain you. It's meant to distract you from what's really going on in your country. And until and unless people from coast to coast, and not only in the United States, but people from coast to coast start to question authority, that means the people that you are putting into office to represent you, until that happens, you will continue to be played like a puppet Just as the folks that are controlling your government are playing your government like a puppet. This is what I mean. Take a dollar bill out. And I've been saying this for going on two years now. I started this program coming up in January, two years ago. Take a dollar bill out of your pocket. Turn it over. And you will find the phrase, the Latin phrase, Novus Ordo Seclorum. What does that mean? This has been an issue that generations have been fighting and you need to get past that and deal with it. Because, yes, even though the U.S. is a wealthy country, how wealthy is it? With a multi-trillion dollar debt. It's got a massive military. But that's because of an arm race essentially, that it had with the USSR during the 80s, and it's continued building that military. Who wants violence? Not me. And certainly, Ole Demigard, my guest last week, who won the 2017 Prague Peace Prize, doesn't want it. Danish-born. Nobody wants it. And if you do, you've got a problem. So the United States has a massive military. Why? Even Eisenhower alluded to the military-industrial complex. But it's not a military-industrial complex that you should be concerned about. Ray McGovern, who joined this program, 
few weeks ago. Says, Ian, it's not that. It is a military-industrial media complex. Hence, since then, impeachmassmedia.com. Impeach Mass Media is a campaign that I'm starting to get people globally, but certainly in the United coast to coast, to start to question the garbage that infiltrating their television. So, Christopher Bullen is going to bring to light some critical information about his new book releasing next month regarding the JFK assassination. This today will be kind of a part due of the Ole Demigard discussion last week as today we host author of Choosing the Light, Dark Secrets of the Oklahoma City Bombing, but Cody brings much more to program apart from what happened that day in Oklahoma. Yes, I'm sure he, we will be discussing with Cody the Clintons, the associations they're linked to, yes, Obama, and yes, Trump. It's not so much about, it's absolutely, it's actually, actually, it's not about being a Democrat or a Republican. All those, all those parties do is divide you and make you channel your focus one way or another. What it's really about and why this country is really great, in my opinion, is the Constitution. This is a constitutional republic. The backbone is its constitution is written in to give people inalienable rights, freedoms, justice, and liberty. And freedom of speech is one of its backbones, one of its vertebrae. Freedom of press is certainly another. And I'm exercising both by speaking through this microphone. And I appreciate you listening. So... Cody Snodgrass, former black operative contracted by groups such as the CIA to do some pretty dastly deeds on the homeland. Okay, so... You're tuned in. To Winwood Radio. I'm a little worked up because of the garbage. The trail you need to follow. And I started this regarding the Zika virus. I wasn't aiming to start a radio program. But the trail you need to follow is the Federal Reserve. I will be right back with Cody. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Instagram. This is Winwood Radio. I'm your host of the weekly show, Discussions of Truth, Wednesdays at 5 o'clock. ImpeachMassMedia.com.
and it drives us insane indeed. I have online with me former black operative Cody Snodgrass. Cody, are you there? Yes, sir, I am. Good to talk to you, Ian. Cody, thanks for joining Discussions of Truth on Winwood Radio. You're calling us from Colorado, is that right? Or I'm calling you, rather. Yes, sir. We're in Colorado in the beautiful mountains. How's uh, how's life up there in Colorado? Well, it's been pretty good, but we've been under extremely heavy censorship. We've had both our uh, websites uh, hacked by the deep state and our PayPal shut down. And you know the drill. They're, they're on a massive censorship push to stop the truth and stop the patriots and the uh, conservative movement and so forth. Cody, what can you tell us about what's going on down there in Bluffdale? That's pretty close to you. In where? Bluffdale, Utah. Oh, I don't. Uh, I'm. I don't know much about that in Bluffdale. That's the. Uh, it's a massive data center, uh, NSA. Um, but but anyway, that's uh, uh, for listeners out there. I, I did a a partial uh, a, a, a partial introduction for for you. Would you give us a, a more uh, a more thorough introduction, Cody, on who you are and what your background is? Um. Yeah. I, uh, when I graduated high school here in the U.S., uh, I scored on the top one percent on the SAT test, Scholastic Aptitude Test in Physics, and. Uh, yeah, I came to recruit me in college in 75, which I turned down, and uh, I began w- working with a bunch of Vietnam vets, and uh, I've been doing black ops for over 20 years. Um, I've written a book here, uh, Choosing the Light, Dark Secrets of the Oklahoma City Bombing, and um, it has a lot of stories in it that have never been told before, like uh, people that were at the Branch Civilian Compound at Waco and, and uh, the assassination of Staff Sergeant Barry Sadler and the Oklahoma City Bombing and so forth, so... Um, uh, I've got degrees in mathematics and physics, and uh, we've worked uh, in a lot of you know sensitive, high-level stuff. So uh, that's that's it in a nutshell. I know we only have about an hour today, so that's fine, uh, Cody. Uh, the, the people that might be uh, uh, naive in regards, uh, and certainly I was, uh, to what what uh, what a, a black operation is. What is that? Yeah, a black operation is any kind of operation. It can be a uh, government operation or uh, a uh, I'm sorry I was having some electronic trouble here can you hear my signal yeah I hear you yeah I'm sorry sir uh, yeah black operation is a um, operation whether it's a government operation or a non-government operation it's just an operation that they want to remain quiet uh, where there's a minimum of blowback. And a blowback is something that occurs, uh, you know, when there's a leak or a witness or somebody sees pictures. You know, a true black op is something that occurs, and only the operators and the principals that hire the operation know what's going on. The rest of the people or civilians in the area, you know, uh, are not aware of it. It now, never comes to the light of day. That's a true black op. And you got involved in black ops for what reason? Money. Okay, and you, uh, you're patriotic, you believe in the country, you believe in the Constitution, you're a proud American? Yes, sir. That's why I turned down the job to bomb the Murrah building for a million dollars. Okay, so that's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty harsh uh, expose, if you will. That's, that's, uh, that's, that's chilling. But let's, let's, first, let's, first, let, let's first focus on outside of the U.S., you were asked, well, out, of, out of all the black ops that you got involved in, what would you say would be 
one that you were most proud of that 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 back then and certainly you look at the you possibly look at those operations in a different light now knowing what you know but back then what was one of the what was one of the the greatest operations that you had had, had done outside of the US yeah well I'm not going to talk about operations outside the U.S., and uh, I just basically wrote this book about the Murrow building thing, okay. and that's one operation that that was offered to me here. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, in the book, we do talk about uh, one operation in Guatemala with uh, Staff Sergeant Barry Sadler, who uh, a lot for the uh, the younger crowd here, you know, uh, back in 1965, he was famous here in the U.S. for writing that number one hit single, Battle of the Green Beret, but... He, uh, with Special Forces Group, 1963, they trained and then went over to Vietnam, and um, and he got hurt over there, and he wrote that at the Subic Bay Medical Facility. But then later on, he was involved in uh, arms dealing and, and clandestine CIOPS down in Guatemala City, and I was in, I hired to bodyguard him and, and protect him. And that the true story of what happened, uh, he was assassinated by a CIA assassin from the Phoenix Project in Vietnam, and... Uh, Anyway, uh, I was uh, happy to be involved in, in helping exfiltrate him out of the country and, and getting back up here to the States. But um, that was one operation kind of overseas. There's a lot of them I, I just can't – I don't want to talk about. Yeah, sure. I mean, you, you're you're involved in some pretty uh, uh, high-classified stuff, I'd, I'd imagine. Well, um, yeah, my, one of my girlfriends here uh, had dinner with Pablo Escobar uh, down there in um, – you know, the big drug kingpin in Colombia, and we interfaced with some of the cartel guys in Mexico and the Ochoa brothers, Medellin cartels, and, and so forth. And so, uh, you know, we've been through that whole sphere of the, of the Central America and, and South America stuff, but um, most of the ops I talk about in this book are domestic ops, uh, like CI uh, Operation Centaur Rose, Jade Bridge, and Screw Worm, which were in Arkansas in the mid early 80s, 82 to 85 involving the Clintons and the Rose Law Firm and so forth, and then the Murrah Building later in 1994. And that's that's kind of what we cover in the book, but there's a lot of stuff we uh, – we have future books coming, but, you know, we're not talking about too much of that overseas stuff. Sure, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is this is almost a part two for uh, for this program, as last week we uh, we hosted Ole Demigard. Yeah, he's he's my partner over there on the, on the Light on Conspiracies website, and Ole is a great guy. He's uh, – dedicated over 30 years of his life to the research and uh i was on the phone with him for about a little over an hour this morning over in europe and he um was having a lot of trouble their website has been hit with some super duper virus uh they've been almost over three weeks trying to figure it out they've got uh computer guys uh in in panama ireland germany and uh, spain working on it it's high level uh they went in and tore down his GoDaddy uh, backup on the GoDaddy server. And then our PayPal's, we just did tests the last two days, transferring PayPal uh, from Europe over here. And uh, the money's disappearing. It's going backwards on the accounts. And uh, that's owned by that Synchrony company, which merged with PayPal. Uh, I believe that was in October of 2017. So a lot of people can Google that up. Uh, some of this PayPal money has been rumored to be funding Antifa and so forth. The Synchrony Company uh, was involved with Elizabeth Warren on that Consumer Financial Protection Bureau thing. So um, there's some definite funny money going on, and um, the deep state is 
is taking legitimate patriot websites and people who are trying to get to the truth, like Olay, and they're actually sabotaging them, you know, with all this uh, covert cyber war and cyber security stuff. So it's a big mess, and we're trying to sort it out. Yeah, there's lots of, lots of layers uh, to this, but but let's get to um, let's get to Cody. Let let's get into this Oklahoma City. A lot of people uh, that that are aware of that, if they're a newer generation, they probably don't know what happened there. But uh, this is April nineteenth, nineteen ninety five. If I've got that date right, and uh, Timothy McVeigh was supposedly the guy that that bombed this building. Um, but you've got you've got a little different story. Tell us who was Harold Leonard. Yeah, Harold Leonard was a, a, a contracting uh, guy and asset, and uh, he had several names in other countries. That's the one, you know, he went by here in the U.S. But he's the guy that offered me the job, uh, you know, to bomb the Murray Building. That was in October 1994, uh, about six months before it went up. And the reasons why that building was actually bombed, and McVeigh was used as a Apache operation, are quite amazing we have them all detailed in this book this book's about 700 pages and it covers a lot of things uh and if you want i can i can tell you what you know the the basic core of the reasons why that building was taken uh and bombed because a lot of americans don't know this stuff yeah go for it cody yeah i appreciate it um yeah we have to go back and let history just a little bit i'm trying to go fast here because we have limited time but um uh, Saddam Hussein came to power in a bath party in Iraq. Now, all this gets to Oklahoma City, but I just have to go through the history. And uh, he was our ally. He's a paid asset for the CIA, just like uh, Manuel Nor- Noriega was in uh, Panama. A lot of Americans don't know that, but he was working for us. Donald Rumsfeld went over there and gave him sat- satellite intelligence in their war with uh, Iran. They had a Iran had a, a ten to one infantry advantage over Iraq, and so we secretly, covertly armed him. You know, you remember the stuff with the Iran-Contra affair yeah. and Ray and all that. Uh, we gave him the Hawkeye uh, 123C cluster bombs and also the AIM strain of anthrax that was developed out of Fort Detrick, Maryland. And these weapons were to be used uh, as mass killing uh, devices uh, in case the Iranians overran our asset. And um, so anyway, the war went on for many years, very bloody war, very costly, and after it was over, uh, Saddam Hussein had this huge military and everything, and then, as you recall, he invaded Kuwait. Now, when when uh, he did that, uh, his troops took the whole country over in about six hours, and they put tank divisions and stuff real close to the Saudi border, and that really scared the Saudis, so they put pressure on the bushes and our administrations over here. And we cooked up Desert Storm, which began in uh, January 91, to rid him from that. He was a former ally and CIA asset. Now we had to demonize him and, and kick him back out. And so we had covertly, without the American people's knowledge, armed him with that aim strange anthrax. And um, so now we had to send our troops over there, and they worried that our guys were going to get hit with the stuff we were not supposed to give Saddam. And so they cooked up uh, a squalene adjunct for a vaccine. Our normal vaccine courses uh, for anthrax for our troops were uh, one shot for six months, over six months to build immunity. This new shot, since they didn't have time, got it down to one month. And FDA testing was waived, and our troops were basically uh, guinea pigs. In the book, we have the lot numbers, the Dover Air Force Base, and a whole lot of 
detail that we can't get into here. But um, that's the beginning of the Gulf War Syndrome illness. And then the second thing that we did over there was the first time we ever used uh, depleted uranium weapons in a war. Uh, Department of Defense, uh, by their own admission, used about 200 tons roughly, mainly in the A-10 Warthog, 30-millimeter uh, chain gun tank buster uh, jets, and also in the M1A-1 Abrams tanks. And that's the kind of tank Timothy McVeigh was in, uh, and Terry Nichols, his uh, commander, uh, he did win a bronze star over there for confirmed kills. However, these tanks, uh, they shot these things at real high velocities. They kill by pure kinetic energy. It's no explosives. Uh, they call them the silver bullet. And it's approximately 5,200 feet per second. Uh, 5,200 feet per second. It's very fast. They had enough kinetic energy to hit a Soviet tank turret, a T-72 tank turret, and just blow it. 11-ton turret, just like a tumbleweed. And so these big explosions, uh, Ian, made uh, new compounds. The DOD was unaware of this. And uh, uranium oxide, uranium dioxide, and our troops were breathing it through their mop gear. The NBC gas filters only went down to 10 microns, and these new compounds went down to about 4 microns. Consequently, our troops breathed all this stuff. Now, I'm getting to Oklahoma City. Yeah. Now, this radiation was low-level radiation, and it was going in their mop gear. We had approximately 480,000 U.S. troops in theater there, and the British, Australians, and the I think it was a 28-nation coalition, they all had their people there, and they were breathing it, too. And uh, the Pentagon had this big problem on their hands. Not only were the anthrax vaccines that were untested making people sick, this uranium stuff was getting in their bodies. It concentrates in the reproductive organs and in the thyroids. And so our guys were coming back, and, um, you know, when they had sex with their wives when they got back to the States here, this uranium was being this, this poison, this radioactive stuff was being transmitted in the semen, and uh, the, the DOD had a huge problem of how many generations this radiation would be transmitted, you know, from mother to son, son to, you know, grandson, and so forth. And so uh, Senator Christopher Shays, Republican uh, from Connecticut, I believe, he was on an armed services committee here and uh, tasked with uh, getting mo- uh, medical culpability payments for our veterans because there's a lot of them coming back sick. As you remember, you know, back in 92, 93, 94, three years after the Gulf War, there's a lot of people going to VA hospitals, getting very sick. And um, he tasked the FBI with gathering all the medical records of these troops. And uh, they were stored at the Murrah Building. And when the Murrah Building was detonated, most of these troops, uh, I mean, excuse me, most of these records uh, were destroyed. But they had a problem when the Murrah Building went off. There were three separate bombs planted in the Murrah Building, and only one of them was detonated. And so they had other teams that had to go in there then and clear out these records that were set for destruction. And um, so a lot of people don't realize that the, the reason that building was bombed was to save the Pentagon billions, hundreds of billions, unknown, that was an unknown amount of money because they had an intergenerational radiological problem and the vaccine problem combined with it to make what we call the Gulf War Syndrome. And so the other reason the building was bombed, uh, there had been some records that were um, transferred from the Little Rock FBI office um, they were investigative records during the early 80s, 82, 83, 84, 85, when Bill and Hillary Clinton were in Arkansas and uh, the Rose Law Firm, the Whitewater Scandal, all that stuff. 
uh, and the CIA operations that were running covertly in that state at the time to arm the Nicaraguan uh, freedom fighters against the Sandinistas down there. And so President Reagan ordered those uh, operations after the Bolo Amendment was passed in 1984. And um, these were covert domestic ops. They were illegal ops. Uh, to arm them and then pay for the uh, covert ops with drug money. And uh, the ABI, the Arkansas Bureau of Investigation, and the um, DEA and IRS had begun investigating all this activity that was going around around the mean airport down there. So all these records were uh, stored there, and then they were ordered uh, over to the Murrow building prior to its detonation. So the second main reason why that building was... uh, was that it was to protect high-level political figures from future indictment and uh, future, um, like impeachment, when uh, Ken Starr started the, uh, you know, the Whitewater hearings. Uh-huh. Uh, and everybody, you know, that started July 26 and 94. Uh, and, you know, the Murrow building then went up uh, April 19th and 95. So when you start looking at the timeline of all this stuff, there's a there's a whole lot of funny stuff going on around that area, and a lot of the records were stored at the Murrow Building. So, uh, the book we have this detailed in, in many chapters with names, dates, times, all kinds of stuff. So I'm just trying to give a yeah. real quick recap. I'm hope I'm not talking too fast. No, no, you, you, talk 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 at the pace you, you like, uh, Cody. Richard Snell was executed on that same day. Are you familiar with that name? No. Richard Snell supposedly was a white supremacist, uh, leader of a white supremacist group by the name of CSA. And evidently, uh, a decade prior, he was charged with trying to blow up that building, that same building. Yeah. Anyway, so go ahead. I've never heard that. I've never come across that in any of my my dealings. Cody, what do you think about... I'm going to throw I'm going to throw a uh, an institution at you. I'm going to give you the name of it. And I want I want you to tell listeners what you think about it. What do you think about the Federal Reserve? Yeah, the Federal Reserve um that was 1913, I believe when it was founded. Um the Federal Reserve is a Ponzi scheme. It's a it's, it's corrupt. Uh it was formed by Paul Warburg and um uh, Morgan and they uh, tried to get it passed once before, and it was just taking, you know, central banking power to, to, to basically, you know, give the currency out rather than the U.S. government and the U.S. Treasury having control of it. And uh, they've used their power since they first, uh, you know, got involved with all of that to uh, roll the economy back and forth, you know, in the 20s, 1929, uh, the roaring 20s. They inflated the currency. Once they got control of it in 1913, uh, then the uh, the Federal Reserve Act. Uh, they're not federal at all. They're they're right. uh, private private bankers. Right. And the whole thing's a scam that's been perpetrated on our country. It's one of the greatest evils, uh, in my personal opinion, in the history of the world. Yeah. Um, it is, I think, responsible in many ways for World War One and then World War Two. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's it's just a horrible. Uh, I, I would suggest I could talk for another hour, easy two hours about the Federal Reserve. I know a lot of stuff about it, but your listeners can do their own uh, research with it. It's just a horribly corrupt, horribly terrible Ponzi scheme 
that it was built at its core at Jekyll Island, yeah. where the bankers all met, and it is an absolute scam from top to bottom. So, so Cody, are you, are you familiar with uh, Professor Carol Quigley? Yes, I've heard the name. I think uh, Bill Clinton studied him. Uh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I'm trying to I'm trying to piece together some 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 possible pieces here it, 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 from from what your knowledge is sh- is sharing is that the Oklahoma City body uh, building Alfred P uh, uh, Murrah building was taken down uh, to destroy uh, to destroy all these you know, these files. It's basically to avoid insurance claims or billions of dollars of insurance claim from these from these from these uh, soldiers that had gone gone into Iraq and and uh, you know and and been 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 poisoned in. In a sense, and so my next question is: Okay, what's the link? What's the financial link? Who's the insurance company behind that? Right? Who's the major? Uh, who who would be the major insurance banking company behind that? And is there a connection to Clinton? Was it Clinton that was in office at that time, or was that still Bush? Yeah. Um- well, you know, on September 19th of 1996, i got to regress just a minute, they still were having congressional hearings on Gulf War Syndrome. Now, this is about, oh, a little close to a year after the Murrah building went up, and the DOD admitted at those hearings that over 400,000 Gulf War Syndrome medical records had disappeared. And so that did save the DOD from a whole, you know, nobody knows how much money it could have been um, without the medical records. Uh you know, it could have run into billions or hundreds of billions. Yeah. Um, they could have soaked the taxpayers for that. But the, the actual companies that had um, uh, the, the insurance policies on those federal buildings, I do not know that. Um, but there were over 300. And you see, there was 324 buildings, if I remember correctly, over a 16-block radius that were destroyed uh, when the Murrah building went off hmm. or damaged. I'm, I'm sorry, not destroyed. And that 86 cars were burning. Uh, there were shattered glass in approximately 258 buildings around the area, and approximately 652 million dollars in damages, which is you know the insurance claims. Yeah. And I don't have any research on the companies that had the uh, you know there's the OG&E Electric Building, Oklahoma Gas and Electric, and the Bank Building. A lot of them down there, and they probably had different insurance carriers. But I don't know. I don't have the data on that. Yeah. Uh, so, Cody, uh, you are bringing to light this story. It's you know it's over two decades ago that you were approached to take down that building. Do you, a couple questions: A, why is it taking you this time to come out? And B, why were you asked? Why why you to blow up the building? Why why were you asked? Well, um. Sure, there were there may have been other people asking all, but they asked me because I had uh, done some operations with Harold Leonard, and um, I have a lot of uh, EOD training, explosives demolitions training. Uh, I have a whole lot of training, and I've done a lot of successful black operations. You know, we were very successful in our line of work, uh, what we were doing, and so they approached me, and I was ending uh, at the time in 1994 in October. Uh, I was ending my operational effectiveness. I had been injured several times, had broken bones. Uh, I'd actually died twice in the hospital during one operation and had to be shocked back twice. And I had PTSD, severe PTSD from some of the ops we were in. And, um, 
I had been drinking uh, heavily at that time to cover my PTSD. And so um, I figured they offered me that job as Apache to not only... Uh, wow. Well, yeah, 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 because I was they're going to kill two birds with one stone. Uh-huh, you know, uh-huh. they, they can offer you a job, and then you know you can either die in the blast or be executed like McVeigh was, and then um, you know they shut you up at the same time. So that's why I think they offered me that job. I was a candidate for that. Um, they may have offered other people jobs in other countries. Um, you know, we have some evidence from some of the people I talked to that the Middle Eastern connection was there, the John Number Two, and and so forth. We have that story in the book by uh, Kerry James Gagan, who drove a truckload of C4 explosives from Denver down to, from his CI handlers in Denver down to Trinidad, Colorado, uh, three days before the murder building went up. That was uh, August 16th of 95, I believe. And his story was, he told me that, you know, there were three Middle Eastern men there with plans of the murder building in English, and he saw them. And he got spooked and uh, came back up, and he went to the Secret Service office in Denver and then told them about it. CIA got wind of it, and here was one of their assets blowing the whistle, so they planted him with fake evidence and threw him in prison. So, And he's disappeared. No one's seen him. He's Last I heard, he was ordered to go to the Springfield Medical Facility in Springfield, Missouri. That's a FCI, Federal Correctional Institute, where they send criminally insane and and people to die you know that are dying in the prison system they have a, a graveyard there where they bury the prisoners because you're property of the u.s government at that time but um no one's seen him since or heard from him since but yeah that story's in the book too so there's a lot that ties into all this so let, so let's go back to um how why is it taking you so long okay. to come out about this yeah i waited uh 22 years to get the story out um the reason I waited was to let some uh, politicians like Bill and Hillary Clinton, you know, he was president. Uh, and then there was Hillary in the State Department. They wield tremendous power. And uh, a lot of the stuff we, we did, we were in those ops down there in Arkansas when, with them. Um, and they want to cover up, uh, you know, or get rid of anybody who, who, who talks against them or wants to testify to grandeur. I believe the Clinton death list of strange suicides and accidents and strokes and car wrecks and all, all the things uh heart attacks that have happened is close to 100 over 100 people and we have a chapter in a book about some of them like vince foster and seth rich and some of the strange stranger type incidents you know around the clintons and so i had to wait till political figures like that was out of power i also had to wait till some of the people like harold leonard and some of the uh, guys from Vietnam and the CIA operatives uh, actually died uh, because you can't use their name. You know, they, if you recall, uh, I, you know, they had the, uh, that CIA case officer, John Kiriakou, have you heard of him? He's been on the program twice. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, you know, they, they put him in uh, January 2013 for 30 months for blowing the whistle on that yeah. the CIA's RDI program, yeah. uh, addition detention interrogation. So, they, had, they got him on that 1982 IPA Act, the uh, Identity Intelligence Protection Act. So, you know, I had to wait till some of these people uh, died, like Duke Flaglier, these special forces in Vietnam. Um, he was one of my handlers uh, for CIA. Uh, he's dead now. He died of Agent Orange uh, cancer in his neck. But, wow. um, yeah, that's that's why you wait. And, you know, if you talk yeah. about an active op like the Oklahoma City buildings, domestic op, there's 168 people killed. Yeah, there was all kinds of strange things that happened around that. Um, you can't just come out in the middle of that and talk; you'll be killed. Yeah, so I had to right. wait 
wait for the right time, you know, wait for the right circumstances. Uh, and, and that's why I waited so long. And you, and you, uh, you were treated pretty harshly by the government that you, that you served, right? Didn't, didn't you, didn't you do some time for this or for, weren't you, weren't you put away? Yeah. What, what happened after 94, when I, um, yeah. turned that job down, yeah. uh, Duke Flagler called me. Uh, he was one of my handlers for the agency. And he said, you know, now you've turned from an asset to a liability. You need to leave the country. And he offered me the keys to a house in Belize, which, uh, I was going to be staged to another country and change identities and stuff. And anyway, uh, I came back, I left the country briefly after the bombing and came back here. And then, um, in 1997, ATFDEA began an operation undercover called Operation Stingray in Colorado Springs, Colorado. And in, um, let's see, I think it was May 22nd of 1999, right after the Columbine shooting. Sure. Um, up here at Littleton, Colorado, that was the biggest high school shooting yeah. in, in the uh, States at that time. Um, I had talked to undercover ATF Blake L. Butler. Uh, they had four millimeter hidden cameras. Bill Clinton and Janet Reno had come there. Uh, the U.S. Attorney General Janet Reno, and some of my op buddies had actually worked in No Not Narcotics with her down in Dade County, Florida. Yeah, but, uh, she's from Miami. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, anyway, to make a long story short, all this is detailed in the book. I'm just trying to go, cover it real quick. Um, I talked about operations in Arkansas and uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, PD file rings, the Murrow building, all that stuff. So the ATF planted me with evidence, fake evidence. They falsified the evidence. They committed perjury to the grand jury. They lied and got me indicted. And uh, CIA took the tapes and disappeared them. And uh, they put me in front of Judge Edward Nottingham, who was nominated by CIA Director George Bush Sr., back in the late 70s. They came to recruit me in 75, and I believe Nottingham was nominated in uh, 77. And anyway, uh, the prosecutor there was United States Attorney Tom Strickland. He was Democrat. Bill Clinton, when he first got power in 92, the office of the president, first thing he did, one of the first things he did was fire every U.S. attorney in the whole U.S. The Clintons had been involved in high-level criminal activities and they wanted to make sure there wouldn't be any blowback through the legal system. So he rigged the legal system by putting his own guys in as U.S. attorney. So Tom Strickland was there. He had come from a law firm in Denver, Norman, Brownstein, uh, Hyatt, and Faber and Strickland. He left that law firm to take the U.S. attorney position. Norman Brownstein was on the Council of Six um, for the CIA attorneys back in the 70s when George Bush Sr. was director of CIA. So the fix was in here in the Tenth Circuit. That's one reason they sent McVeigh up here, so they could control the whole system. In the book, I have discussions of the province software the DOG, DOJ uses to steer cases. So they steered any national security case like mine or McVeigh's, or uh, I don't know if you remember uh, Joe Naccio with the Q-West case. No. Yeah, that was a big NSA case. Uh, that story's in here, too, of how they steered that, and, and they did the same thing with him, planted him with evidence and shut him up because he wouldn't help George Bush and them do that secret NSA tapping with the light fiber optic cables and so forth. Um, so anyway, to make a long story short, they threw me in there. I was uh, uh, three cells down from McVeigh at one point. Um, they denied my bond. I had a perfect record, not one traffic ticket, nothing, absolutely perfect. 
and uh, yeah, he treated me real bad. And uh, then later on, uh, I pled guilty to something to get him off of me. Uh, the whole story's in there. Uh, we had hired a tape expert, uh, William Valentine, who had had coffee with three sitting presidents, Bush, Clinton, and uh, Reagan. And he was a bugging, debugging tape expert and electronics expert for the CIA. And we had uh, 100% proof to a legal standard that the ATF, the DEA, and the CIA had tampered with evidence, tampered with tapes. And we waited four years to try to get it into court. And then um, two weeks before the final hearing, and, you know, Val told me, he said, you need to get your family out of the country and everything because they're not going to allow you to uh, get this stuff into court. They're going to kill you. And then two weeks before that, um, I was hit in a parking lot in Colorado Springs. Wow. Um, I was cleaning the windshield on my LTD Crown Victoria. Uh, leaned over the hood, and a car came up. I never saw it or heard it. I just heard the motor race and the wheels spin, and it totaled my car in the parking lot with me on the hood, and it threw me up over the – I hit another car, bounced off a concrete light pole, and I was in the hospital, almost killed. And then I got out, and I was at an outpatient facility uh, doing physical therapy, and I left that facility, and then uh, Colorado Springs police cruiser jumped the curb. It was sitting there idling, and it jumped the curb and, and came right at me, throwing sparks everywhere. The last minute they turned, and it was uh, ATF agent Blake Butler, he had gotten the nation's top cop award from Vice President Al Gore and uh, Janet Reno at a dinner party in D.C. I have pictures of it in the book. He was sitting there in a Colorado Springs police uniform shaking his finger at me like, don't you go to court. And because they were all going to prison. And anyway, I snuck secret uh, surveillance equipment inside the United States Attorney's Office and tape recorded them inside there. These tapes have never been made public. And anyway, to make a long story short, I'm almost done. You keep going. Uh, after, after that, after, uh, you know, I had the car wreck, got out of yep. the hospital, and then he charged me at the outpatient facility there um, and threatened me. I drove back home, and I, I stopped and I threw up on the way. I was uh, well, yes, sir. And then um, I came here to my mountain cabin, and I was in here watching a movie with my wife and about three-year-old son, and someone pulled up at our front yard. And it, it, I walked out there, and I figured, you know, they were going to kill me, so I just went out there, and unarmed, and uh, sitting in the driver's deal with his hands on the wheel was Harold Leonard, the guy that offered me the job to bomb the Murrahville. Wow. Yeah. And he said, listen, he said, uh, we've been ordered, if you go to court, try to get all this stuff out in the court, he said, we've been ordered to kill you, and he pointed up at the house, and he said, we got orders to kill your family. And he said, I'm just telling you, you know. And uh, then he, he put his head down and, and sighed, took a big deep breath and sighed because he was tired, too. He's seen a lot of dirty ops in Southeast Asia and so forth. Yeah. And um, so he gave me that warning. And uh, I came in here and I called my attorney, Harvey Steinberg. He was the Denver Broncos football team attorney at the time. He was a real highly respected attorney in the Denver area. And... Um, I told him I, I want to change my plea. I'll plead guilty to anything. Just, you know, right. leave my family alone, you know. And so I went up there, and uh, Greg Goldberg, the assistant U.S. attorney, we met him, and he said, I'm getting a lot of heat on this case. I don't know what's going on with your case, but we're getting a lot of heat on it. And I said, well, I'll, 
I just want to plead guilty. I'll do anything we want. Just leave me alone. He said, pick a charge, any charge. So I picked a charge dealing fires without a license, which is a ridiculous charge because I used to be the biggest machine gun and silencer dealer here in the state of Colorado for several years. So they planted me with evidence, set me up. The story of how they planted me, all that's in there. We can go into anything you want in a short period of time. I'm just trying to cover a whole yep. lot. So anyway, to make a lot, to end this story, I pled guilty to that. They gave me 25 months in federal prison for uh, some stuff I didn't do. But it, it, it saved my life. It got me out of, of, you know, saved my family. And then I waited all this time. And so Ole Domagard helped me break this story. And our, our job was to, to get out as many interviews and get the story out to as many sources as possible all at once to help protect me. So I wouldn't be suicided or I wouldn't get hit in another car wreck or so forth. So anyway, to end this all, Judge Nottingham, the 10th Circuit highest-ranking judge there at the time, the guy that was the CIA uh, fixer for any case that came in there. Um, later in 2007, <laughs> he had to resign in a sex scandal with prostitutes. Oh, wow. He was involved with Brenda Stewart, the Denver Players Club owner up there, and um, he resigned uh, in lieu of prosecution. And I had talked on those CIA tapes about CIA asset Kathy O'Brien, which some people may know. Uh, she wrote the book Transformation of America with uh, Mark Phillips uh, about her time as a CIA sex slave, high-level operative. And um, I had uh, talked to Kathy, uh, and she had told me, you know, some stuff that, that Bill and Hillary Clinton had sex with her and her seven-year-old daughter. And I talked about pedophile rings in the Arkansas area on these tapes. That's why the CIA took them. And then later on, the judge they stuck us from, nominated, you know, by the CIA director back in the 70s, um, he gets caught in a sex scandal. Wow. And you got one sex yeah. guy covering up for another. And it, the, the corruption that's detailed in my book, I have dates, names, times, 302 activity logs from the FBI. We have all all kinds of evidence. It's a huge appendix. It's 700 pages. It tells the truth of the cover-up inside the DOJ, the Tenth Circuit of McVeigh, uh, Terry Nichols, who's down here now in Florence, Colorado, doing life at the uh, Supermax facility down there. And uh, it, it tells the whole story uh, of, of cover-ups and um, corruption that is just astounding. Uh, it's it's very deep, very involved corruption. Most Americans don't understand how far. You know, right. a lot of people. You know, they know it. They know it's bad, but they just don't yeah. know how bad. And so, I appreciate the opportunity on your show to uh, to get some of this information out and uh, uh, hopefully wake some people up so that we can uh, help rid our country of some of this horrible corruption right um, yeah yeah i mean the, the, probably the uh the strongest line that i've gone down was cody just in a nutshell connecting the zika virus that was sprayed in south florida uh about two years ago to the rockefellers to a guy named anthony sutton out of stanford uh the hoover uh, hoover fellow institute uh hoover institute to um to a, an organization that the bushes uh, have been involved in at out of Yale uh, called Skull and Bones, and from there, from there, I tied in the associations to to the Federal Reserve. So you know, profit is uh, is a major issue for really uh, the system that we've created, 
right? That that that, that we we allow ourselves to live in. It, it all kind of gets back in many in many regards to. Uh, the dollar and, and survival and 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 so that's that's kind of in the nutshell uh, the, the the road that I've kind of gone down being exposed to the pesticide that was used uh, in the whole Zika scare uh, uh, a Chevron Chemical Corporation uh, pesticide so so uh, the, the the Anthony Sutton uh, tie-in is is a Hegelian uh, Frederick Hegel the Hegelian dialectic uh, uh, controlling both sides to uh, uh, to dominate the nature of the outcome, so it gets extremely deep. And and as and and and, and in 2018, I, I never saw myself questioning, uh, you know, the found questioning what's going on in 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 the state of the government. But uh, you, you can see the nonsense that's happening within our borders today. And so it's it's amazing and wonderful to have people like you that that are brave enough to come out. And put yourself on the line and say, look, this is what you need to be looking at. Not the Kardashians or not what's happening on MSNBC or whatever. This is the stuff that you need to be looking at. So with that said, Cody, I'd love to get your comments on what you feel is really going on. Uh, From your perspective, what's happening in 2018 with the Trump White House? Yeah, we get... uh I have contacts all around the world, Oslo, Norway, you know, all around. And uh, we get on-the-ground intel from people, that, you know, it's outside the mainstream media stuff. Um, I think that the corporations are running our country. Um, Monsanto, with the glyphosate in the food, is causing untold poisonings. Uh, the chemtrail um, phenomenon where their uh, geoengineering sprays and so forth is absolutely horrendous. They have weaponized the weather. Um, I think we're being lied to uh, at a rate unsurpassed in you, in, in uh, human history. I think we're facing, as as uh, President Eisenhower and his farewell address, I'm sure you're quite familiar with that, and some of your listeners, um, where he warned us, you know, about the military-industrial yeah. complex and unbridled power. And this deep state, these special um, unacknowledged access programs uh, – they, they go all into free energy. There's been so many things suppressed. Um, they're, they're weaponizing, you know, the horse smallpox vaccines. Vaccines, uh, I mean, right. Yeah, they're, they're splicing, you know, the uh, genes together, and then they're using GMO mosquitoes, genetically modified yeah. mosquitoes, and so forth to weaponize them. The drones, um, all the stuff that's going on, we stand at a precipice in our country. We stand at a precipice in the world. Um, there is a major fight a battle between the spiritual forces of light and the spiritual forces of darkness. And we've all got to choose sides now uh, because the, the war is ongoing. A lot of it is a quiet, secret war, and, and a lot of civilians uh, don't see it. People on the front lines in the intel agencies, there's a lot of good people in the CIA and a lot of good people yeah. in the ATF and yeah. the DEA and, and so forth in the NSA. There's also a crowd of very evil people that are using their positions in government uh, clandestinely to wreak havoc. And so the bankers worldwide, the Rothschilds, Ford Foundation, um, these these things are economic blocks. You know, bankers create wars, they fund them, then they fund all the rebuild on the backside, and they don't care about the, the uh, who wins the wars. They care about the debt that the war creates and who controls that debt. And that's that's what we have to look at in the world. There's there's a great evil 
in our world, and they they call it the New World Order that wants to control every single thing, all the timber in the Amazon, all the opium coming out of Afghanistan, all the rubber, you know, from Vietnam and the rubber plantations, uh, the Caspian Sea, $12 trillion of proven reserves, the molybdenum, the lithium in the hills in Tora Bora there in Afghanistan. The lithium is a big thing in all our computer batteries and stuff. So um, there, there's a big New World Order conglomerate, a cabal, whatever you want to call it, and they're they're censoring us here, Google, Facebook, Twitter. I think we're standing at a precipice of of losing freedom. Absolutely. And our world being taken over by a dark, controlling uh, force of darkness. And it's time for us all to wake up and get out of our slumber and start looking and and seeing where all this is leading. Because do you want your children microchipped uh, with an RFID chip? You know, what what is going to happen to our world here if we let this cabal control all the water, you know, all the timber, everything, all the money, cryptocurrency, all of it, and we're just their little slaves? Right, exactly. In your, in your, in your view, what's the one thing that Americans, as more Americans begin to question authority, question the acts that these people are doing in their government, or even outside of America? It's not just confined to America, but I use America as an example because uh, the founders of this country wrote what seems to be the most perfect document uh, that, that any, uh, any, any, anybody's ever written, or the Romans, Greeks, Egyptians. I mean, the U.S. Constitution uh, seems to be the most just. And of course, being an American, I uh, might be biased, but it seems to be that it gives the most freedoms and the most justice. So, so that's the whole idea is to preserve that. What's the biggest hurdle uh, for Americans to save that? It, it, would it be the shareholders of this Federal Reserve? And, 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 and I open the show up to encourage listeners to flip over the backside of their dollar bill that they use to buy their their Snickers bar or whatever it may be, because it's printed right there. This is something JFK was fighting. This is something that Abraham Lincoln supposedly was fighting. This is what you just mentioned, the, the Novus Ordo Seclorum written in Latin, the New World Order. How deep does that go? Some of these monarchies that have been controlling powers in, in Europe, how, how deep in your view does that go? And would you agree with me in that that would stand as the largest hurdle? for Americans to preserve that Constitution. Yeah, behind all of this evil and these wars, a lot of this stuff is all the bankers. It goes back to the Rothschild family and the Bank of England and so forth. And uh, economic control, it's like Mayor Rothschild said. uh, I'm going to try to get the quote right off the top of my head. He said, uh, give me control over a nation's currency, and I don't care. I care not who makes the laws because uh, they can loan money to both sides. A politician doesn't play ball, they can assassinate him, like uh, Abraham Lincoln, uh, Andrew Jackson, president. He, he had on his, his uh, tombstone at the Heritage, I killed the bank. And if people study history and wake up, you'll see there was a running battle for control of who would issue dollars here in our country between the bankers uh, from England and uh, the international bankers and then uh, our, own, our own country. And so they won in 1913. And ever since then, we've had wars and depressions and recessions back and forth. But I'd like to quote somebody that's a personal hero of mine since I have degrees in math and physics. It's Albert Einstein. And he said, the world will not be destroyed by those who do evil, but by those who watch them without doing anything. 
And so what we have biggest to face, Ian, that's why I love your show and the other shows out here that are trying desperately to get the truth out past the censorship in the mainstream media is the apathy of the American people and the apathy of other people in the world. Helen Keller said, we may have found a cure for many evils, but we have found no remedy for the worst of them all, the apathy of the human being. And so we all get kind of soft here. We, we're in the, the richest country, one of the richest right. countries in the world. We have a, a great deal of material wealth. Right. We've had a lot of things uh, here. This book is dedicated to the veterans. My stepdad was at Pearl Harbor, December 7, 1941, in Guadalcanal. My uncle fought Hitler in the Battle of the Bulge over in, um, in Europe. And uh, they fought that great war in World War II. And we, they handed us a lot of freedom and a lot of economic power here. And um, we've gotten soft and lazy uh, here in America. And the secret shadow government has stealthily been quietly just sticking its fingers like an octopus in all areas, banking, finance, pedophile rings, drug rings, both white and black, both above board and both under, uh, under the board. Um, the corruption, therefore, has gotten astounding. It's at all-time levels. And so um, the apathy, we need to wake up. It's time for everyone to wake up. That's why Ole Domagard's doing his, his shows. That's why many people are coming forward now. Uh, Craig Sawyer, you know, the Navy SEAL guy that's doing the thing about the pedophile rings. I've been in many other countries, and there is a big market for uh, sex slaves and drugs and so forth. Um, there's a lot of whistleblowers coming forward, and that's what we're hoping to do by me coming forward is showing we're not afraid to speak truth to power. You know, they can kill our bodies, but they cannot harm our souls. And there's something bigger here. And, you know, there's something bigger than my life or your life or any of the listeners' lives. It's a whole country. It's a whole world. We're headed down a path of this new world order thing. And it could lead to World War III. It could lead to, you know, the genetic poisoning of our whole species through glyphosate and the, and the mosquito stuff like you're talking about. Um, the chemtrailing, the geoengineering. There's so many massive problems. It's time for us all to wake up and do something about it. And the time is now. Because if we don't, we're going to lose our country. We're going to lose our world. And we will be slaves. These people will make us slaves. I want to say one more thing here. The death of a democracy is not likely to be an assassination from ambush. It will be a slow extinction from apathy and indifference. A guy named Robert Hutchins said that, and that's exactly what's going on here in America right now. Thank you, Cody. Yeah, if this is this really is a last ditch effort for Americans to stand up and show their true colors, if there is chance left, there's things like the the UN agendas. You know, they're thinking ahead a couple decades here. Um, so, in many regards, we've already become. Their slaves, and and again, the they I refer to is this facade of the bankers, um, and that's 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 really what's in my view, Cody. That's that's what's what's happened here, Cody. Thank you so much for not only your service to this to this great country and your continued efforts to preserve it, and 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 your your bravery for coming out with this book and. Of course, Cody, I appreciate and thank you for 
joining Discussions of Truth. Do you have any parting words? You've, you've given some great words of wisdom here. Do you have any last words, any parting words for listeners? Well, I was in Dallas. I was a kid in uh, November 22nd, 1963. And I just want to end with a short quote from JFK, our president at the time, uh, when he was assassinated there. Um, I think that was the beginning of a strew of assassinations, you know, and this uh, secret cabal takeover of our country. And he said this. He said, for we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies on covert means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system that has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. And he was trying to warn us of this shadow government stuff. And, and then they killed him. And I'm trying to warn you. Ole Domagar's trying I know you're trying to get it out. They're, they're operating in the shadows, and it's time to bring the light and expose these criminals and these pedophiles and all of this corruption. That's why I named my book Choosing the Light. Um, we're time, it's time for us to stand for the light and for the truth. And we are at war with the dark ones and the dark forces, and it's all coming to a head. That's Excellent. Ladies and gentlemen, former black operative for the U.S. government, Cody Snodgrass, Choosing the Light is his book. Cody, thank you for joining Discussing Your Truth on Winwood Radio. We look forward to further communication. All right, thanks a lot, Ian. I really appreciate it. Thank you, everybody out there. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, this program continues to receive incredible guests. I thank you for your patronage. I will be right back with some closing comments. Bad doings, false information. That is what I do every Wednesday starting at 5 o'clock for you. For your family. For your kids. For your posterity. Posterity. For our future. 
That's all we can do, folks. That's all we can do. Next week, Winwood Radio will be joined by English-born author Patrick Andendahl. He's a former financial janitor. Okay, now it's a little bit of a little bit of pun as janitorial services of cleaning up other people's financial messes. I think he did pretty well for himself. He's talking about Lloyd's of London and other such banks. So he is exactly the type of mind, if you will, that we welcome to this program. Stupid party, math versus myth is the title of her current book. His previous book, Who is Jeb? So he, he goes down some of these various veins, if you will, that we like to go down here on discussions of truth. Patrick will join us then, followed by author and that's October 31st, followed by author and Temple University professor Joan Mellon. She's written a book about how the United States and Israel conspired to ambush the USS Liberty. Got a great slate going here and a number of incredible guests. Let me let me let me let me let me let me again let me again mention Christopher Fulton. He's going to talk about what he has that might help clue in the JFK assassination. You know, do you think these things aren't relevant to us? Of course they are. You've got to look back at other men's footsteps, see where they walked to help create a better future as far as I'm concerned. I'm your host of the weekly show Discussions of Truth. Every Wednesday, 5 p.m. we start right here, Winwood Radio. Follow me on Twitter. Ian Trottier, follow me on Instagram, Ian Trottier, and patron, impeachmassmedia.com. And until next week, be awesome. I'm prisoner on fire with the feeling to kill. It won't go away until I dream of fulfilled.